So are we going to talk about what, what what was my suggestion to talk about again? I now I forgot. Um, <laughs> it's just a lie too, or what? <laughs> it's still early. It's still early over there. Never mind. Um, monopolies <laughs> and oh, the, yeah. the Google monopoly. Um, oh, that thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I I just thought in general, I mean, you know, we we suffered under the tyranny of a Microsoft monopoly for a long time. Now faced with the opportunity of a a duopoly or an oligopoly or whatever we might want to call. It. <laughs> um, and uh, I just thought that was an interesting topic. Uh, what I want to say before we get onto the main topic, let's um, first of all just a quick introduction. Uh, I'm Croc Cayman, and uh, as usual, always joined by uh, Tom Holder. And uh, uh, what's your Adam. title? Yeah, what, what do we call you? Like editor in chief, OS News Guru. Uh, Who me? Yeah, Lord Publisher. <laughs> Publisher. No, I would call I would call him Overlord or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I guess, I guess we, it, Yeah, the question is, do you want a goofy title or the real one? <laughs> so, real title, publisher, goofy title, fill in the blank. <laughs> yeah, I want you to uh, read the email we got from Jordan. Uh, our editor, Jordan Spencer Cunningham, uh, we got an email from him and uh, I thought this was just so funny that I had to read it out. Uh, he says, and a P.S. P.S. I had a dream that we had a central office in Orem, a city in Utah. Uh, David and Adam were there, and I think Krog may have been too. Tom was busy overseas. We were still planning OS News 5, but in person. The office was at the top of a shabby factory building whose stairs were crumbling and weeds were growing in the parking lot, and the office was about <laughs> the size of a walking closet one of the ways to make money was to run the site uh, one of the ways to make money to run the site was to sell OS News branded candy out of the office but nobody ever came to buy it <laughs> signs off it was sad we needed a new office <laughs> the thing is it's you know we're talking about Yuda right so I know that there can't be any substances or whatever involved so it's it's if you dream this kind of stuff you you have to have one of the most awesome minds ever I mean <laughs> I just find That's it funny just... that, that, you know, the, the feeling that we're such a shabby <laughs> outfit. Yeah. Lois <laughs> News is this shady candy store in a sort of run-down place. Okay, can I, can I tell you something hilarious, though? Is, of course. Uh, and Jordan doesn't know this, but I actually used to have some office space for one of my companies about, this was 90, this is 97, no, 98. So, like 12 years ago. Uh, in Utah, in a shabby, run-down old warehouse <laughs> next to the train tracks. And here's the best part. The building was a had, had, had used to be a candy company. <laughs> <laughs> You're kidding, right? No, I'm not kidding at all. I mean, this is like the cheapest office space ever. I think... Uh, now, the difference is we had a huge office. We had... Um, I mean, it was gigantic. There were there there were five of us, and I think there was probably room in there for twenty five people. But um, that was because the rent was so cheap. I I think we paid, I think we paid something like six hundred dollars a month or something for this place. It's a gigantic oh, office, that's but it incredible. because this whole building was mostly abandoned. Um, and actually, this was where uh, our our other OS News collaborator, John Jensen, um, actually still has some office space where he hosts servers. <laughs> oh dear. 
that's just awesome. <laughs> I wish we had stuff like that in the Netherlands, like these old buildings completely abandoned and like not really owned by anyone. We don't have that here. I mean, this country is so small and there are so many people. Everything is owned and managed and controlled. So we don't have that kind of stuff. Too bad. It's, yeah, well, well so. um, uh, you know, I've, I've had office space in a lot of buildings. Actually, I can tell you that, that was the best office space I ever had. It was my favorite place. Yeah, I had character probably. <laughs> yeah. Oh, this is the best part too. So we we were a startup software company, and the 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 candy company, and this was written on the building, was called the startup candy company. <laughs> and so we were in the startup building. We were a startup company. So that was just the icing on the cake. No pun intended. Awesome. You would know. Let us um, dive into the topic on hand. Um, I wanted to discuss, uh, as we just said, um, Google. Uh, your article written by yourself, uh, David. Uh, Google does not have a monopoly, a monopoly on search. We are asserting that uh, the, 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 the term monopoly is being thrown around in a lot of cases, but uh, in Microsoft's, um, sorry, in Google's case, it may not necessarily apply. It may apply in the uh, sense that a monopoly is one who holds the most market share, but then Google may not be um, abusing that position, say, for example, uh, compared to the Microsoft monopoly. Yes, and so I thought that it would be an interesting topic of conversation, um, you know, both because uh, Tom and I uh, kind of publicly disagree on this subject. Uh, and so, you know, we could hash it out a little bit, but you know, I thought it would be an interesting thing to, to just talk about, to talk about the, the danger of monopolies in general and, and how they affect the computing world, uh, in particular. Well, I'd say that there are kind of like two sides to the whole story. I mean, on the one hand, having a, a like a big software company controlling whatever aspect of the software world, it can help in enforcing standards, if you know what I mean. So like, if, if, uh, I mean, if, if there was only one printer company, you'd never have to worry about buying printer cartridges because there would only be one brand and it would be relatively easy to get your hands on cartridges. Well, right now, there are like 10 million printer companies and if you go out and you need to buy a cartridge, you have every company has like 10 million of them and, that, and there are 10 million companies. So they're like a bazillion you know, kind of printer cartridges that you have to look out for. If there was only one company, that would be better. But on the other hand, of course, monopolies are always dangerous because it leads to, you know, uh, stagnation and uh, prices can go up. And because there's no competition, they can, you know, raise prices and, and lower quality whenever they want because there's no competition. So there are always two sides to uh, a whole thing, I'd say. Right. I, I, kind I, of, I, think, I think maybe a better example or a better aspect of your same example would be you wouldn't have to worry about printer drivers because, you know, every operating yeah. system... Every operating system would would be able to print to the to the one printer, you know, out of the box. Nobody would install a printer driver. Um, yeah. But uh, but but then you ask the question, you know, what what would you know? Printing is one of the worst experiences in in all of computing. You know, yeah, yeah. Trying to get a printer working is. I, I mean, I can't believe after all of these years of personal printers oh, yeah. that, 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 that that process of getting a printer hook, hooked up and working still involves sacrificing a chicken. <laughs> uh, I, I, th I think that's kind of related to the fact that there have been a lot of printer companies who kind of need to protect their own thing. Well, if you look at like USB sticks or whatever, I mean, there are 
again, I like using exaggerated numbers, but there are like 10 million companies making USB sticks. And so they all follow the same standard because it's, it makes sense. I mean, it, it, you can't really compete uh, uh, with USB sticks. I mean, the only thing you can compete on is price and probably that's about it probably. When it comes now, to printers, people, you, you still need you, to... You, you picked yeah, another on. interesting example because the reason that the USB stick standard works is because they chose a proprietary standard that's owned and, pro and promoted by Microsoft. And if Microsoft hadn't had a desktop computing monopoly, I don't know if that if Microsoft's um, if if Microsoft's uh, uh, file format would be a de facto standard like it is. Mm. But yeah, but, but the truth is, because of Microsoft's OS monopoly. Um, every other platform out there has conformed to being able to read and write to what 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 used to be the standard file format for Microsoft Windows. Um, for better or worse. So, uh, for better or worse, it's a kind of a crummy file format, but um, it works fine for something like a uh, a thumb drive. Um, yeah. and, and you know, file formats are 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 one of the one of the worst aspects of a thriving uh, comp competitive environment among operating systems. You know, uh, back, back in the quote-unquote good old days when there were a lot of competing operating systems, getting any kind of interoperability between them was quite a headache. Uh, you know, everybody was kind of jostling for position and, you know, you, you had to kind of jump through some hoops in order to move in order to um, kind of move files from, from one OS to another in some cases. Yeah, I still experienced that in, in when the I was... Pre, in the pre-networking days, that is. Mm. I mean, I still, you know, still had those problems in the, uh, in the early 2000s when I was still using uh, the BOS every day. I mean, you'd, you'd always lose your metadata as soon as you... Meta How do you say it in English? Metadata. Metadata, meta exactly. Yeah, I'll just call it in Dutch. You know, when you moved your files from from BOS to whatever other operating system and then back, then you lose all your metadata. It was really uh, kind of annoying, because of course, you know, the the the, the BFS was much more advanced than uh, whatever the the competition was uh, was using at that point. So you'd lose all your metadata again. That was really annoying back then. And conversely, if you think of um, like the printer, going back to printers, um, where you've got we haven't got a monopoly situation in the printers. You 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 get the reverse. Uh, well, say if you have a monopoly situation, then you have the situation where things are simpler, but abuse can happen uh, because they can yeah. rack up prices because now. But also in the opposite direction, when you have a lot of competition, you have anti-competitive measures. So you've got. Um, uh, printer manufacturers putting chips on their cartridges and trying to use the DMCA to prevent people from making third-party yeah. cartridges so they can falsely <laughs> rack up things. And if they could do it, then they would make it so that you could only use their paper on their printer if it was possible. Yeah. So I think oh. trying to get things going. Um, one, one thing I wanted to highlight um, about this article, or, or a lot of the, the with the, a lot of the responses to the article, so there's certainly a lot of debate, is that we keep debating the term monopoly or not, and the monopoly has a actual literal real uh, meaning, and it also has a legal meaning. Um, but what we're really trying to say is, is Google harmful to the internet? That's what we mean when we say is Google a monopoly. The same as we say is Microsoft a monopoly. We mean is this harmful? Then 
then we should then you should say then you should say then you should say it differently. And then the question should be: Is uh, Google abusing its position? Yes. And whether that position is a monopoly or not doesn't matter. Is Google abusing its position? I don't think it is. At least not that we know. That not that we mere mortals know of. But of course, that doesn't mean that it's not a good idea for uh, uh, government agencies to keep an eye on them because you know they are a massive company, and whether they have a monopoly or not. Massive companies, you know, you need to you need to have the eye on those guys. You need to have your eyes on big companies because, and it's not some sort of, it's not that companies that the people working at companies are evil or bad people or whatever. It's just that the mindset of a large company is to do things that are not. Um, I, I, I don't like the term evil anymore because I I took that term because of Google's motto. But kind of what I mean by it is, companies are you know especially the large ones. Um, the goals of large companies like Microsoft, like Apple, like Google, whatever, their goals are incompatible with the goals of us as consumers. It's, it's, if you really want to you know, boil it down, break it down to something really, really simple, it's that a company wants to give you as little as possible for as much of your money as possible. Well, as a consumer, you want the complete opposite. You want to spend as little as money as possible while getting as much as possible. So the goals are completely opposite of each other. So whatever a company does, it's usually against your own goals. So, And that's why I always believe that companies should be, at some point, should be monitored. Not like completely, uh, you know, not like in some sort of crazy uh, Soviet kind of way, but the, the, the authorities should have their eyes on the large ones. Not the local bakery or anything, but I mean the big ones. They should definitely be kept in check. So whether or not Google is doing something wrong or not, the fact that uh, the European Union wants to, uh, they're not even investigating, by the way, they're just uh, um, 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 kind of asking questions. I think that's, that can only be a good thing. I mean, yes. it keeps Google on their toes and it, uh, you know, it, it reminds people that, hey, uh, it's a big company, keep your eyes out, you know, look out for them, look out for what they're doing. So it can only be a good thing, I'd say. Well, you know, I, I, you know, I, I, I think, you know, dis- despite uh, Tom and I having this uh, Oh, they're a monop- you know they're a monopoly. No, they're not. Kind of thing. I think we mostly agree. And you know, if if you're going to talk about morality, um, you know, Google has this "Don't be evil" motto that people now ridicule. Um, and 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 ultimately, when you're talking about evil, you're talking you, you've entered the world of morals. Yeah. But there's something very interesting uh, about the morality of a corporation, and that is. That the corporations have 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 and there's a term for it fiduciary duty. Uh, corporations have a fiduciary duty to their shareholders, and you know essentially what that is is a, it's a moral obligation that the uh, that the managers of a corporation have, and essentially that is the morality that governs a, a, a corporation. And and what the fiduciary duty of the managers is is to maximize shareholder value. That that's mm-hmm. essentially the only moral code mm. that governs a corporation is to maximize shareholder value. And like all moral codes, it's not totally black and white because there are a lot of there there, there are issues between maximizing long term value, maximizing short term value. You know, you can do things that will earn a profit on the short term, but will ruin your company on the long term because you you make the company unpopular. You people start to boycott the company, um, and things like that. And so, the, the the kind of the moral code of the corporation is somewhat compatible with the normal human moral code, 
in that you know if people find out that you that you are murdering people uh <laughs> you're going to get shut down you know the, some somebody's going to intervene and you'll you'll go out of business but uh but on but on the other hand you know when it comes to when it comes to just kind of rank and file kind of screwing your customers over uh <laughs> You know, and I, and I said this in, in my article, you know, the, the managers of a corporation have a fiduciary duty to maximize their profits. And if, 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 if that means that you screw your customers over, then, that's, then, then you actually have a moral duty to do that if you can make more money that way. And, um, and, and you can be accused of being short-sighted and you can make an argument from that point of view saying, oh, you know what, if you screw your customers over today, they won't be your customers tomorrow, and that's a bad business decision. But ultimately, that's where the morality stops. It's whether it's a bad business decision mm. or not. And whether it's right or wrong doesn't really enter into the picture. Companies only do something that looks moral for, this, for, for two reasons. One, legally they're required to, or two, it earns them karma. You know, a bonus points for customers, that's it. It's not because and, it is and, moral. It's and, and I'm not going to say that the people who run companies uh, live in some kind of moral void, which they don't. I mean, we're lucky that the that, that the the people who are running these companies are not yet, um, you know, hive mind type uh, artificial intelligences. Uh, you know, they still are human beings, and and so you know, you still have people doing the right thing. Um, not because it's not because it, it helps the company or it helps public relations, but because they feel that that's the right thing to do. Um, I, I I do believe that you know even companies that do all sorts of other evil things, you know also do good things. Um, I, a good example from the news was something I was reading recently about um, Apple. I don't know if you read this, but um, Apple Computer has started auditing its suppliers in order yeah. to make sure that they're complying with like child labor and safety regulations and they released this they, they released this report that a bunch of their suppliers were like you know doing all sorts of bad stuff and that this was bad and it bit it actually bit them on the ass because people started um, releasing uh, news articles saying apple suppliers are hiring child labor and when <laughs> reality, Apple is one of the few companies that's actually gone to the trouble to try to make sure its suppliers aren't hiring children. But because it kind of got it out there, it's like, oh, now Apple hires children. Um, and I don't think that necessarily the only reason that Apple is auditing its suppliers, since it's one of the few companies that's doing it, I don't think the only reason it's doing it is to win brownie points. And if it did, it failed utterly. <laughs> <laughs> But you know, no, but I, I think, no, but even, I think no, but even, because the, the people who are in charge there are concerned about that from a personal moral level. But that's yeah, not but the norm. Course, yeah, but even if you do, uh, even things that you might do out of a monetary, uh, monetary, um, 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 out of a monetary motivation, or even just a PR motivation, it can still essentially uh, be a good thing. Those goals can still align with you know the goals of being a good person. So. You know, I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to be that just because you do something for money that it is necessarily a bad thing. I mean, that you know, things can um, um, 
can align, you know, if you're lucky. And, and in this case, you know, of course, I mean, part of this uh, of Apple, you know, chasing uh, their, the, the, uh, hunting down their suppliers and, and, and looking if everything's okay. I mean, partially, of course, it's, it's a monetary thing and a PR thing, but of course, it's also, you know, of course, a, a morality thing and, and just being uh, genuinely concerned about what's going on over there. So it's, it's well, kind of know, both. I think that's good. That's there's good. another thing. There's another thing that happens. Uh, and, and, Getting back to kind of people's personal morals is, you know, when when you get into uh, when when you're a part of a company, when you're a person working for a company, and you know it's your job, and you're working toward the goals of the company, and you're working toward you know creating products and earning money, you, you know you get into a certain mindset, um, and you know I, I I would say the 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 negative word for it is you know you're kind of brainwashed. <laughs> but uh, that that's that's may, that's maybe a more kind of loaded term but you know the tr- the truth is that you that, that that you kind of see the world through it, through a certain prism when you're when you're in that environment and you know you see this all the time you know, you know at, at the height of kind of microsoft's evil empire days you know the people who worked at microsoft you know you would talk to them or they would be interviewed and and they would they would have this kind of hilarious naivete about you know why does everybody hate Microsoft so much you know I think it's a great place to work and you know we've got so many smart people and you know we're doing interesting things and you know we're creating products that people need and I don't know what you know that they just didn't get why everybody was so afraid of Microsoft you know they were kind of living in the bubble and. You know, this is something that just naturally happens to people. You know, there's something about human beings and the way that, you know, it goes all the way back to our kind of tribal origins. When human beings are part of a community, when we're part of a tribe, uh, we totally realign our worldview around the tribe's goals. And, yeah, you know, this kind of, co- this kind of social cohesion is one of the reasons that human beings have succeeded as a species. But it's also one of the reasons why the Rwandan genocide happened. Yeah, And, and, it, and it's that you, 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 you associate yourself so much with your tribe's goals that you can lose track of your humanity. Um, and, 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 this is, and this is kind of the way that, that people can be doing things that the outside world will think, you know, how do these people live with themselves? Um, and, but, you know, the people who are doing these things are, are just so caught up in their own, their own tribe's kind of way of thinking that they don't, they don't see it that way at all. They just see it as, well, we're just trying to protect our... We're just trying to protect our revenue stream, you know. We're Arcade. just, uh, you know, we're, we're make we're making products that you want. Um, stop complaining, you know. Isn't that uh, kind of how it is with Google with the um, uh, things like what pressure they're getting with the Google Books project to digitize, you know, the world's books and. Uh, the uh, other companies are complaining that okay, this is a great idea, but um, you know why is it? Sh- why should it just be you? And, and Google are, are firm in this belief that only they can do it right. Well, but the whole Google well, Books thing well, is is quite complicated because of all the the entire copyright thing that surrounds it. I think it's absolutely ridiculous that um, 
they can't. I, I don't know if you saw the, the the presentation by Lawrence Lessig about this whole thing. There's like uh, if you have all the books that Google wants to uh, digitize, like 100. Uh, percent I believe about 70 percent of those are books where it's not clear who owns the rights mm. and who to ask for, um, um, uh, who to go to to you know to to be granted those rights, to ask for those rights, to be able to digitize them, and. Uh, now there's some sort of fund that's been set up where all the book publishers are uh, 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 will re- receive money or something. I don't really know how that works, but I think the whole copyright thing there plays a bigger role than all the other issues. Yeah, just- and, and and the worst part is that the publishing industry, you know, the, these uh, trade groups from the publishing industry, they want to get this royalty from Google, and they uh, and and they're just gonna they're just gonna keep the money. Yeah, because, because there are no rights in holders. Mo- in most cases, the authors that nobody even knows who these authors are. Well, and, and, and so all these digitized books didn't exist until Google put forward to actually do this. So they're just, uh, you know, they're just um, stealing Google's funder, as it were. Google suggests to do this. They say, "Oh, hang on a second. You're, you know, this is um, there's a lot of information here that we can make money out of and that we can assert our rights over." Um, it's it's quite shocking, really. Yeah, um, but. Um, Sorry, I wanted to get back onto on the subject. Um, your article states that, that Google does not have a monopoly on search, which I think is a, is a correct thing to say. Is that that uh, anybody can invent a search engine tomorrow, and Google cannot prevent them from actually sitting down. Yeah, and coding wait, that. wait, wait. No, no, that's not that's not correct. I mean, the fact that you can start your own um, 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 search uh, website, or that you can switch to another search website, has nothing to do with the definition of being a monopoly or not. I mean, I there are 10 million definitions of it, but the fact that you can switch doesn't really have yeah, anything to do with it. I was going to add to that is that the, whilst it's uh, Google, uh, as far as the search engine, your choice in search engine, unfortunately Google are no, no longer just a company that does search. They do so much other. What happens when you factor in the stuff that they're doing with Dark Fiber and what they do with um, uh, their own DNS servers and what they're doing with Speedy and that they're, they're trying to contribute to the entire end-to-end pattern of the Internet? Which is why I think the focus on search is too narrow to talk about monopoly. Uh, you know, I, 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 I think, you know, maybe I've softened a little bit, you know, after reading uh, people's feedback on, on, on what it really need, means to have a monopoly on search. And, you know, I, I do think that there are some ways that, you know, Google's dominance does prevent other comp- competitors from entering the marketplace just because you know who's gonna who's going to go up against Google um, when the when the, the you know the bar is so high um, you know because you know the truth is in, in, in a sense we're quote unquote lucky to have Microsoft with its deep pockets. You know, because mm-hmm. Microsoft can spend millions of dollars developing a good search algorithm. Well, let me uh, um, even even if like... even if no one's going to use it. The law also yeah. allows for someone in a shed to invent a new search algorithm, patent it, and then get protection on that that 
um, a piece of software so that they could produce some search engine that could be a million times better than what Google can do, and they would be protected enough for enough time, which is what the patent gives them, enough time for them to build up a market share. So the law already does allow things, but this is making the assumption that nobody can compete with Google because they're making something exactly the same as Google, but what really we should be looking at is someone inventing something that is better than Google. You know what? I, I'll tell you, I, I can just say something, Tom. I, I think that history demolishes your argument. And, okay. and here's why. Um, there, there's, a, there's a very interesting story from history that, that shows that, that just, because, just because there's kind of dominance in, in Internet search doesn't mean... That, you know, because of the Internet, because the Internet's open, because anybody can put a website up and any other person can access that website, it makes it almost possible for someone to have a monopoly no matter how good their product is. And the perfect example is Google itself. In, 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 the, in the late 90s, uh, it, it, you know, the, the, the capability for somebody to launch a search engine and have it go anywhere seemed impossible. The, the, there, there wasn't any one company that had, a, that had a dominance in search, but there were a handful of very well-capitalized, very successful companies that had their search portals. You know, you, you, know, you had AltaVista, and you had Yahoo, and you had LookSmart, and you, you, know, you, you had a handful of these companies that were, you know, making lots of money. And, you know, the idea of a couple of college kids coming and launching a search engine just seemed laughable. It just couldn't happen. And Google itself, you know, entered into this extremely crowded, impossible to enter into market. You know, other people had tried to enter into the search market using hundreds of millions of dollars of venture capital and failed. And, you know, com and, uh, or failed or, or, or failed to, you know, a company like Ask Jeeves, which spent huge amounts of money. And it still exists because it raised so much money, it, 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 it just has been coasting on that ever since. But, you know, failed, failed to, to, to take over the market. You know, whereas a couple of guys from Stanford did, and it was because it was better, and all, you know, over the course of a very short period of time, because of the openness of the internet, almost everybody dropped all those other search engines and started using Google. And now that may never happen again, because it might not be technologically possible for some college kids to develop a better search algorithm than Google has. But just because it's not technologically possible doesn't mean it isn't possible from a business standpoint. If you did create a better search engine, you could unseat Google. And there's not really anything Google could do about it failing some kind of anti-net neutrality shenanigans. Mm. Uh, so I, I, feel, I feel like in a world that has net neutrality, it's not really possible for you to get a monopoly on the internet. Um, and I'd say the only, the only exception to that would be in, in a something like a, 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 a social networking type of situation where, the, where a service is of no use unless lots and lots of other people are using it. So you get, 
You know, Facebook does have a kind of lock-in. But, of course, MySpace had a lock-in, too, and look what happened to that. MySpace, you know, it, 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 you, you, can, you can even get the people to move over as long as they're free to move over. People are fickle. You know, if your ISP only allows you to use MySpace because they have a, they have a partnership with MySpace and, you know, they won't let you use, uh, you know, they won't let you use Facebook or they'll degrade Facebook because they control pipe. Yes, then you can have a monopoly, but only only with anti-net neutrality is that possible. No, but can Google like do it other ways? I mean, they could also, you know, um, 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 how should I put this? Um, part of the reason, of course, why Google is successful is that a lot of other websites actually use Google. So Google has control over you know who shows up on the in the search listing and whatever. And there's no need for uh, anti-net neutrality laws for Google to mess around with its search results or to place uh, you know, uh, um, advertisements for their own products within the search results or to boost their own products or whatever. They can even, if, if uh, you know, I, I don't know what, uh, what powers uh, Facebook search at the moment, but Google could say, hey, look, Facebook, you're now switching to Bing. Okay, then we're you know, lowering you on our search results. That's the kind of control that they have. Every, but basically, everybody uses Google. So everybody uses Google to get to get onto the internet. And I don't mean in a way like entering the URL inside the Google search bar. Whenever they're searching for something, whether they need to buy a new refrigerator or Christmas lights or a pony or whatever, they'll use Google. So Google has a lot of control over how people enter the internet, whether there's net neutrality or not. So I'm not, I think that's the kind, that kind of power that, you know, that Google has more or less become the portal for a lot of people to enter into, to move onto the internet. Even for me, I mean, I only use Google. I mean, it's the best search engine there is. So that means that alone gives them a lot of control over where people are going on the internet, whether the internet is open or not. I mean, that's the kind of control that they have. They can delist that, websites, where, promote websites. I mean, that's kind of yeah. Scary. And that's where that's where my point of view has softened because, you know, I, 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 you know, as as much of a kind of a semantics nerd I'm going to be about the word monopoly. Um, I, I don't disagree at all that that Google does have. A, a kind of market power that that makes it um, potentially dangerous to the internet. Yeah. Um, oh yeah let me just reiterate that I'm not saying know, and, uh, that Google is Google, doing that. Google, just, could, yeah. Google, could, Google could mess up the internet uh, as badly as a, uh, an operating system monopolist could mess up computing yeah. in general. I, I think, or, or at least has the potential to get itself into that position, um, uh, because of its market power. You know, and, and, and another another power that Google has is is its dominance of the its dominance of the of the advertising market, for example, yeah. is is caused for is cause for concern. That's probably more than any because, the search side of things because, um, I mean, 97% of their revenue comes just from advertising. So Google is technically a very lopsided business if you think about it. All the products they have, sure, but it's advertising. That's it. I That's mean, what Google I'll, is. I'll give, you, I'll give you an example of, of you know, kind of the danger that, that, that if, if Google aggregates too much advertising power and i don't think it's quite there yet i mean it does with the acquisition of double click it's it's moving there but if google if google gets too much power in online advertising you know here's a scenario 
you know, right now with advertising, it, you know, OS News runs Google Ads. One one of the sources of ads that we run is from Google, and the way that advertising works is, you know, you. Uh, I publish a website. I put tags on the website from a third party. Ads go, ads appear on the website, and I share the revenue between between you know OS News shares the revenue with the source of the advertising. So somebody pays Google a dollar to run to run some ads. Those ads run on OS News, and OS News and Google share that revenue. Um, and Google gets a, an awfully large portion of that revenue because that's the industry standard. Um, Google could decide, you know what, we're not satisfied with 50% of the revenue. We would like to have 80% of the revenue now. And, you know, if, if, if Google gets a little bit more, if they get to completely dominate, where a advertisers aren't running their ads anywhere else, they're, you know, they pretty much... A, a, a big portion of advertisers out there are only running their ads through Google. And Google says, yeah, we'd like 80% of the revenue now. Um, a, a publisher like OS News would have would be in a very, very bad situation because our uh, you know, basically we'd have two choices. We could either knuckle under or we could go with one of the kind of loser non-Google uh, ad, uh, or we could sell our own ads. Uh, the, the thing is, is Google couldn't stop you from... Or we could sell our ads directly, which is very, very difficult. Uh, yeah, but, but because Google can't prevent all, you all from of the ad that. agencies are only selling through Google. But basically what would happen is, you know, the, the kind of the fragile economy of commercial websites, you know, that's out there, or even non-commercial websites that depend on advertising to cover their costs, to cover their expenses, that would all collapse. Because I, you know there aren't really that many websites that are making so much money that they could lose a huge portion of the revenue they're making now and continue to be to, to continue to operate. I don't think that's so you know case. that's that's a, that's a situation where that's a situation where you know Google could put a lot of effort into into getting completely dominant in a particular area such as online advertising, and then use that dominance to squeeze. You know, to, to to squeeze more and more profits. Now, that might be a bad, you know, having half of the websites of the internet go dark because they can't cover their expenses anymore because you know advertising got too expensive. Uh, that would be bad for Google. So you know, they would have to, uh, they'd have to, they'd have to back off on that evil plan a little bit. You know, if they if they didn't want to harm themselves in the long run, you know, that's and that's the. You know, but one of the big challenges with corporations is precisely that corporations often do eat their seed corn. They they do often squander long-term opportunity in, in looking for short-term gain. Um, I mean, just look at the record industry. Um, you know, they've, they've basically they've 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 basically I don't want to say shot themselves in the head. Because when you shoot yourself in the head, you die immediately. What they've done is they've given themselves cancer on purpose. You know, they they have taken a course of action that is going to cause them to 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 perish in the future, because you know they're pursuing a bunch of short-sighted strategies. Yes, because um, grandma downloading songs is very dangerous. It will destroy so the, the world. The reason that they do that. 
the reason that they do that is is very easy, and that is that the stock market only cares about your previous quarter and your next quarter. Mm. <laughs> the stock market is not interested in anything longer than three months away from now. And, you know, your stock, if, if your stock gets punished because you're not maximizing your revenue now, you may not survive if your stock price falls enough. And so, you know, public companies are on this treadmill of trying to satisfy Wall Street. Now. You're fuzzing really badly. You're yeah, you're too. fuzzing. Yeah. No, I was going to say that um, even if, if if Google put the squeeze on advertisers um, because of their position with, with advertising, um, it's still not preventing um, a company going out and inventing a new advertising model um, or differentiating no, themselves. The control is not just on the user's end, like our end, like the receiver and receiving end of Google's ad services. Like like David said, it's also on the side of the suppliers of the advertisers. A lot of companies only work through Google and nothing else. So can you guys can you guys hear me? Okay, perfect. Yeah, yeah. You're back. Um, you're back. What what you what you're talking about, Tom, is you're actually talking about a monopsony. So when when the when the, the when the when the lack of competition is on the other side, it's not. It's a monopsony. And what Google is close to in, in, in advertising or, or where the danger is, is actually becoming that, where there's only one buyer. Yeah. Uh, and and, and, and you, you can abuse a monopsony in the same way you can abuse a monopoly. You know, so so if, if it gets to the point where there's one really dominant purchaser of all things, so there's only one company that is, you know, they're... they're Everybody is working through Google on the ads. Mm. Uh, then, 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 then you can have the same thing. I actually think that is a more likely scenario than Google having a, 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 than than a, a monopoly on search. Yeah, I mean, why? As, as a, as a, because know. because the, the the advertising marketplace is not open the way that the internet is. Um, it's it's a it's a very traditional kind of business that's all based on, you know, kind of long-term personal relationships and and contracts. Not oh, right now I type five letters into the URL field and it goes to a website. And if I type five different letters, I go somewhere else. Um, it, it, it's not it doesn't mean like there's that. not room for innovation. What about uh, dig ads? Uh, they found a way to, to generate money, and they've got their own advertising system, which is something that's, that's new, and it's working for them, which sidesteps Google entirely. Right. Yeah, and, and Google, you know, that's just an example, because I, I still think Google, Google is a large player in ads, but it doesn't, it doesn't dominate. Uh, it, it, the, um, the, the, the the thing that's a little interesting about Google is that it is both a uh, it it kind of is on both ends of the of the ad business. You know, Google is is both a publisher and an agency, and that that, that, that there's some interesting interplay there. Um, and I'm I'm not even I'm not even certain how that what ramifications that actually has. But I want to I, I want to look at I want to look at Microsoft again. You know, um, 
Microsoft still has a an ironclad uh, desktop PC operating system monopoly, and you know we have we have stopped being quite as hysterical about it for various reasons. Um, I, I think probably the main reason is because the the new kind of mobile computing and and kind of lightweight netbook type of you know Microsoft is not well positioned to leverage its desktop monopoly into these new into these these new devices and that's kind of the the wedge that's that's going to save computing from a Microsoft I would say the web would be the same but more so the web they're not prepared for the web full stop certainly certainly and 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 so and be and because because there are now the web is really at the center of it but because there are now so many viable platforms for doing the main thing that people want computers for which is the internet uh you no longer have to have a windows pc in order to be a full citizen of the internet um uh where, whereas de facto a lot of people kind of did back in the bad old days, um, but but nevertheless, you know, Microsoft still I don't think it it certainly hasn't it hasn't lost its monopoly. Maybe it's lost its monopoly on computing, but it hasn't lost its monopoly on personal computers at least. Um, the, well, no, we can even, see that from the fact that uh, all um, the, the OEMs have to offer, as far as competition to the Apple device, which will not be named, is uh, you know crappy tablets with running Windows Seven. That, that, that's it. That's that's all the innovation they've got. Right. And no, but that's not. No, that's unrelated. But still, I mean, if you guys are now saying that you you just said that you know everybody can start a search engine and go there and whatever. But these days, isn't the same true for operating systems? I mean, at least in Europe, I mean, Microsoft can no longer uh, buy out their OEMs. I mean, there's complete, you know, total checkup there now from the European Union. It can't really, I'm not sure about the United States because I don't know how the whole uh, uh, antitrust case there was resolved. But I believe that Microsoft is on relatively strict scrutiny there as well. So, I mean, if, if Microsoft doesn't have that kind of buying power over OEMs anymore, like they used to have at the end of the 90s, you know, with, with BOS and everything, I mean, how can you then still say that Microsoft has a monopoly on desktop operating systems, but Google does not on uh, their respective fields because, you know, everybody can start a search engine? Isn't the same thing true now that everybody can, uh, you know, uh, start technically start an operating system, no matter how difficult it is, obviously, to write an operating system to operate it's, OEMs it's, at lower prices. It's not an is, it's not an issue of anybody can start an operating system. It's an issue of can any c- computer user just instantly make the switch from using Windows to using another OS? Or uh, oh, I, I mean, I hope so. That, I just got friend of mine Ubuntu, so I certainly hope so. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just, you can. I just fix this laptop, yeah. so. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you can install another OS on your computer, but can you use it in the you know in the same way that you can? Some people can, but you know, can your can your average computer user uh, just switch to another operating system and? I think the thing that's making that possible is the the internet because now 
the fact that you can't get your applications to run on your new operating system is not not as much of an issue as it used to be uh, because there are at least viable substitutes you know in the bad old days if you wanted a mortgage calculator or if you wanted a a program to uh, tell you uh, to tell you what your phone number spells or if you wanted to look up, like uh, you wanted an encyclopedia, or you wanted uh, to uh, have a game that your kids could play to learn their times tables. You had to buy software to do that. You had to go to the store and buy it and unwrap it and put a little disk into your computer. And the, the, you know the small publishers that published all of this software you know, typically only made it for Windows. And so, you know, the Internet has completely just obliterated that whole market for kind of mundane software. Um, and, and, and so the, the, and the kind of... The, it, as well, by the way. Ex exactly. And so the, the... Yeah, so, so, so for those things that you can't actually do within a web-based interface, you can often download for free... A something that does the same thing for whatever platform you might want, um, and that that's for the that's for kind of the, the kind of the mundane, you know, everyday workaday software, um, and so the, the the list of the list of of software packages that you might need that are going to be only available on Windows seems to get smaller and smaller every day and, and and you know there are still a few holdouts there are you know in the in as far as like business productivity software goes there are still a lot of there are still a lot of places where if you're not on windows you're going to be inconvenienced to try yeah, to like find my university yeah to, to, to let you do what you need to do you know and, and and maybe microsoft's monopoly on pc you know maybe it's downgraded to a de facto monopoly or it's downgraded to the tail end of it, certainly. Yeah. Mm. You know. um you know and, and that's that 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 has cause for that's cause to rejoice i think because yeah. I mean, it's, you know it's, I, i've said it once i've said it once and i'll say it again yeah. windows 7 is is a really good operating system. If mm -hmm. if if Apple and Google and all you know and 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 the Linux community, if 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 these if these entities and these organizations haven't hadn't been making so many strides and putting oh, yes. so much pressure on Microsoft. How good would today's Microsoft operating system be? I mean, I will guarantee you it wouldn't be as good as Windows Seven is. No, it most certainly it would, wouldn't. It, it would be as it would be probably. It would probably be just like Windows XP, but slower. That's what it would be. <laughs> probably, yeah. Uh, it would be Windows XP with a bunch of a bunch of flashy cr crap to make it seem niftier. That degrades its performance, um, and yeah. we would and we would accept it because we had to. And so, yeah. So this is an example of where increased competition has been. There's no clear example of that than with Windows uh, Windows Phone Seven series. Blah. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that stupid awesome, thing is called. <laughs> I kind of I kind of wonder. I mean, you have to like this entire company. I have to like that they have like seventy thousand employees all over the world. I mean, they're sure to be I mean a lot of those will be very, very bright people and every time Microsoft needs to come up with a brand name or a name for a product, <laughs> it never fits on a single line of A4 paper. Why? <laughs> so just, I mean, I have to type that out in my stories all the time. And you cannot type that right in one go. Windows Phone 7 here. You cannot type it right in one go. It's technically and, and, and psychologically impossible. Sorry, that was kind of a little rant. But anyway, go on. <laughs> yeah, if it well, wasn't for the, the iPhone, then they would not have Windows Phone 7 series because the, it would just, they would just carry on with the same rubbish that they've been doing before with Windows Mobile. Microsoft has had a long time to develop a decent phone operating system. You know, they 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 could have developed a decent phone operating system to to be released to compete with the iPhone on the first day the iPhone was available. <laughs> they had they had everything they needed. They had the technology. They had the OEM partnerships. I would say they even had the 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 engineering and creative. Uh, powers within their own organization to do that they just didn't have the will yeah um, well i just want to say know. one thing because we're all you know of course completely and rightfully so right now you know um I'm, I'm pounding windows mobile but let's not forget that if you compare uh windows mobile like only like five years ago and you compared it to what palm had on offer which is probably back then the only kind of true competition in that area windows mobile blew the palm operating system out of the water I mean, Palm, it couldn't multitask. It crashed all the time. It was patch upon patch upon patch upon patch. It looked nice, but it was a complete unworkable mess. And I've, ha- I've, had, a, I've had several Palm devices, so you know, it's not something that I'm pulling off the internet. I know this. I mean, it looked nice, and if you only use it for five minutes, you'd say, wow, this is well designed. It looks cool. It works. But it was crap. I mean, the Palm OS was crap. I mean, especially Garnet. I mean, it was, there were so many patches. It was, it was you know, top-heavy, and it toppled over. And in that sense... Windows Mobile's interface might not be as good, you know, uh, especially if you look at it now. And uh, um, but the operating system itself—I mean, it multitasked pretty well. It, its multitasking wasn't that much of a drain on the battery. I mean, I've had several uh, Windows Mobile devices or you know pocket PCs, as they were called back then, and you know they had monstrous battery battery life. Even if you have multiple applications open, and another good thing about it was, you can do everything with Windows Mobile. And with everything, I mean totally everything. You know, Apple is like advertising with, there's an app for that. But, I mean, the, the uh, you know, the 130,000 applications that are in the App Store, they don't hold a candle to the kind of stuff that you can do with a Windows Mobile device. You can control everything. You can go network. You can go on network shares. You can control your computer. You can do so many things. It's just that the interface sucks. That's kind of the whole thing. So I mean, it's it's it, from where we're standing now. You can really you know pound Windows Mobile for having stagnated and not being as good and, and everything. But kind of what's happening now is that people are, are saying that Windows Mobile has always been crap. But that's definitely not right. I mean, if you look at when Windows Mobile got into the market and the pocket PC, it was better than what the competition had to offer. It's just that what usually happens with Microsoft is someone comes along, makes 
uh, a, a product in a certain market better, a product that's better than what Microsoft had to offer. Then Microsoft waits for a couple of years because they don't know what to do and they're flabbergasted and they don't know what to do. And then they come out with something that's better and then you know the cycle repeats. It stagnates again. Someone else comes along, in this case Apple, and then a couple of years Microsoft does nothing. Then they come out with something new that's pretty good and then you know that's kind of the cycle how it repeats all the time. But we shouldn't forget that back then Windows Mobile wasn't as bad as it looked as, as it is now. I mean, that's kind of important to remember. You know, Tom, you said something that 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 made me think of 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 one of the great ironies, I think, of of the of the technology, the history of technology, and that is, you know, we're kind of talking about competition and monopolies, and when Microsoft came onto the scene, um, there was robust uh, there 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 was robust competition. In the computing world, um, there, you know there were there were there were all of these computing companies, you know IBM, Hewlett Packard, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, people were doing a lot of things in computing. Of course, it was it was it was a different era. It was mostly about you know business computing and, and big iron. And but obvious. you know there there was robust competition and people were starting to release personal computers you know there were there were there there was the commodore and there was atari and there was uh sinclair and all of these different companies you know kind of promoting their personal computing platforms and and you know and then you know the the big companies started coming in and trying to figure out what they can do and it was a total mess. I mean, it was it was not fun to be a. Uh, it, it wasn't any kind of utopia having all of these different companies and their personal computing platforms. Um, and and in a large part, it was because these companies were all trying very hard to preserve their competitive advantage. They were, they were. Um, you know, they they were making their products incompatible with other people's products on purpose, uh, to, in order to make um, switching from one platform to another more expensive and to lock you in to their to to, to using their their. I wouldn't say that that really started to happen until we got um, uh, the business desktop in the early '90s. Because if you think of the '80s and the late '80s, it wasn't so much that people were locking. Uh, companies were locking people out. That didn't come till later. It was because they were doing their own engineering. They were completely isolated within their company, engineering things entirely in their own way. I mean, if I tried to write something compatible between a Commodore 64 and a Sinclair, well, there is no way to do it because they don't design those computers entirely to their own, you know, little bubble that they lived in. And that's how 80s computing was. It was just these totally different forks of computing running off in different directions. And it wasn't until 90s when we had the business desktop computer with like Windows 3.1 that we started to have the idea that we've got to lock people into this pattern now. Yeah, you're, you're probably right. And it probably had more to do with engineering and the fact that, you know, largely you had to write your own software back then. Um, and, and, you know, but, but regardless, even with the commercial software that you could get, it was it it, it was it, it was it was a very non-interoperable world that we, that we that that we were in despite or in fact because of the brisk competition you know everybody's running as fast as they can trying to make their own platform good and you know and what you have is all of these little islands out there 
And so Microsoft comes on the scene, and 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 it, it's kind it's kind of ironic because you know they they eventually ended up becoming this kind of evil empire. <laughs> But Microsoft came on the scene with this very strong ethos of openness, and you know, and kind of as an accident of history, hmm. uh, the, the the PC platform also was extremely open. Um, you know, due due primarily, I, I suppose, to to IBM kind of screwing up, because yeah. I don't think they <laughs> intended that to happen. Um, so you have a very open hardware platform. And you have a very open software platform. Uh, Microsoft software was very open in the sense that you could you you could do so many different things with the Microsoft platform. And the more market power Microsoft got, and the more the computing world coalesced around a single platform, the better it, it became. In some senses. It, it became easier for everybody because because now you could get a critical mass of users on one platform, and so now it was possible for a software company to put huge amounts of resources into developing really sophisticated software. Whereas if they had had to develop software for 19 different platforms, they never would have, they would have spent so much time trying to develop for all those platforms, they would never have been able to make the software that good. Mm. And, and so in a way, the consolidation of personal computing onto one platform, I think, was a huge boon to computing in general. Up until a point. <laughs> Up until the point that Microsoft started abusing that monopoly and preventing any kind of uh, the, the competition, particularly that, for example, the BIOS situation um, and how BIOS got cut short. Well, right. be, uh, of course, I mean, BIOS so, cut. You know, yes. you know, so what? What we en what we ended up the situation ended up like this. The 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 makers of software, I think, and the users of. Of, of end user applications actually benefited because the it, it allowed it allowed the software industry to mature um, but and, and so you know, you know if, if you wanted say for example a an accounting package um, it allowed you to get a really good or, or or a or or a photo editing thing or or a word processor for that matter, you could get a really good one, and but the as as Microsoft became more established, their operating system itself became sloppier and sloppier because they didn't have they didn't have the the impetus to get better. There was still brisk competition among the makers of various kinds of software. So the software didn't necessarily get bad get bad. It got it only got bad because it was getting on a it was it was running on a worse and worse platform because Microsoft was getting lazy with their operating system because all they had to compete against was Apple, who's also, who had a software platform that was getting worse and worse. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the, the sort of Windows 95, which is probably, bar Windows 7, is probably Microsoft's single best release. Um, and then the, the, what followed after that with Windows 98, then Windows ME, what, what utter disaster that was. And that That's was right, around the time that Apple Up until Windows 95, 
up until Windows 95, Microsoft still had relatively, uh, relatively brisk competition from from Apple and and from from from, from Amiga and from some other some other places that that still looked like they might have some wind in their sails at the point when Microsoft was developing Windows 95, OS 2, etc. And uh, and yeah, and that that was that was that was the turning point. Post Windows ninety five, all of Microsoft's competitors started kind of falling off the radar for one reason or another. Yeah, also yeah. because um, I mean Windows ninety five. I mean I, I it was good basically. I mean especially for the Windows platform. I mean if you compared it to what Apple had on offer, I mean yeah. that, at that point probably still the bigger competitor. I mean I mean it, Windows ninety five blew whatever Apple had out of the water. I mean well uh, I don't. Agree with that, but um, I mean, <laughs> there were I various mean, I, reasons. There were various reasons why Apple wasn't good, wasn't good competition, and one of them was that Apple's hardware wasn't very good back then, um, compared to the hardware that you could get uh, to run Windows on. But, but certainly, the, Windows ninety five was a huge improvement. Not only improvement, but there were still better systems out there. Um, there was GeOS, which could run, you know, could do what Windows ninety five could on a four eight six on a three eight six. It was a significantly faster, more efficient operating system. It was around the time of Windows ninety five that um, Microsoft really started strong arming the OEMs to basically get rid of things like GeOS, which posed a big threat at that time. And really, we can see from Windows ninety five onwards, it's just been complete Microsoft dominance. And, and but I want to get back to this idea of. You know this kind of irony that competition isn't that doesn't automatically benefit the consumer because there are there are good examples where competition the only thing it achieves is is waste. Um, I'll, I'll give you I'll give you an example. I was talking with a uh, a friend of mine who's a doctor, um, and of course. Uh, here in the United States, you know the the, the disaster that is our healthcare system is a, a a topic of conversation all the time, and uh, and of, and of course in the United States people also worship the free market, and um, you know kind of what 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 a, what a European would consider a perfectly reasonable way of doing things. Um, is is decried as as Satanism by <laughs> certain segments of. Uh, of the American electorate, but you know, so so. But, but let me give you an example of of the of the free market here and how and how it works in healthcare. Um, you know, so you have a town, and the town has two hospitals, a relatively small town, and the hospitals are competing against each other in order to um, in order to make money by providing services to the people who live in the town. Um, and and this is a, this is a true example that my doctor friend brought up. Um, so one hospital has, say, a particular uh, set of extremely high tech diagnostic equipment. Uh, you know, some kind of scanner to tell you whether you have cancer or not. You know, one of these one of these things that that costs tens of billions of dollars, and they are getting all the business because of this uh, device that they have. And so then you have the other hospital in town says, okay, well, we're going to get our $50 million and we're going to buy one of these things so that they don't get all the business. And then, so now you have two hospitals. They both have hugely expensive diagnostic equipment 
and they each get half the business of the town. Well, guess what? Half the business of the town is not enough money to pay for that hugely expensive diagnostic equipment. And so now yeah, both hospitals are losing money and are both going to yeah, go out of business. And, sounds, and that's yeah. actually a situation that happens all the time where, you know, sometimes it just it doesn't make sense to have competition because it just ends up being inefficient. It's just like, you know, when you, know, you develop a kind of product and you have a bunch of people basically reinventing the wheel so that they can compete against each other. Only one of the competitors is eventually going to succeed in the marketplace. Uh, you know, so you have these R&D departments that are trying to develop a blanket with sleeves. Somebody, uh, 60 different people develop a blanket with sleeves. Ultimately, only the Snuggie prevails. All of that other work just goes to waste. <laughs> and, uh, so now, of course, the alternative being a, uh, uh, you know, one of the alternatives that has been proposed over the years is central management of the economy. And uh, as the Chinese experiment has shown, uh, yeah, that doesn't really work. Even China, while while keeping communism, eventually uh, eventually abandoned central planning, and because uh, it, it 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 actually it actually it brings a whole bunch of other kind of problems that are even worse than the than the you know the two hospitals both going out of business because yeah, they're well, trying to. Each other. Well, you don't really need kind of central planning because, um, um, sadly, uh, we have a lot of. Well, I and my family have a lot of experience with with hospitals here in, in the Netherlands, and the situation here is kind of hospitals. Uh, there is some form of competition in in healthcare, but it's it's strictly regulated by um, um, by the government, obviously. But what you have with hospitals here is that hospitals kind of specialize, and so there's a hospital in Amsterdam that is completely specialized in cancer treatments. So they have the, the best of the best of the best in cancer treatments. And um, so when my mother needed a certain types of surgery to, you know, to, to combat the cancer or to, to reconstruct the parts that, they, uh, you know, that was destroyed during the treatment, you know, even other hospitals just you know, completely work together. So the, kind of the general hospital in, in one of the general hospitals in Amsterdam just said, look, uh, you know, to my mother, look, you, know, you should go to that hospital because it's better. We'll arrange everything for you. We'll contact them. And all you need to do is show up at that time, make an appointment with that and that doctor. He, he'll know everything there is to know about your situation because we all share you know, patient information with each other. And, you know, that person working at the general hospital will simply say, well, look, we're not equipped for that. I mean, they're the better hospital to, to treat your kind of problem. And I think I just, you know, the example that you're telling me, it just sounds so completely well, like you already predicted. It, like, it sounds so alien to me, you know, it's just. I think this brings us full circle to the moral issue is that some companies um, or, or business thinking is not willing to admit that they're onto a losing idea and they'd just rather destroy the other person. And you're, you're talking about the doctors in one hospital saying, you know, no, we, we, you know, we don't have the equipment, go here, and being able to, to, to divide themselves like that so that the workload is, is spread out in the right place. And that's the problem with business thinking is that they've got this moral where that they must increase profit every single quarter, regardless of how many other competitors out there, and regardless of how stupid and dead end that is. And and that's the problem. If a company can get outside of out of that thinking uh, that we must destroy the competition um, and instead we should must work with the competition, then that would help prevent this negative effect of of competition. So to to, to really bring it full circle, 
Back to Google. Google right now, uh, because it has so much dominance in search, and because it's able to make tens of billions of dollars every year, uh, but doing a- advertising because of its uh, because of its uh, search reach, it has been able to invest in all sorts of interesting things that. Uh, and, and provide them for free to internet users. Google, um, Chrome. Google Chrome, Gmail, mapping, blah, blah, blah. I could go on and on. I, I read an interesting uh, blog posting the other day of 18 Google uh, services that you don't know about. And I, and I, and I, I thought about it and I'm like, that's ridiculous. There, if they, there is no way that there's, you know, maybe an average person wouldn't know about these, but I'm I'm one of the elite. I, I'm sure I've heard, heard of all of these, and um, actually there were only maybe three or four on there that I was aware of. You know, uh, most of these ones were little side projects, most of which had probably been done in the like twenty percent time. Um, that. Uh, you know, so there was one that let you, for example, type in keywords and you could find uh, videos of political debates that had addressed a particular topic by searching for it. Mm-hmm. So oh, it was like a spe- for me. specialized search of only the transcripts of political debates. I'm like, wow, that exists. I didn't know. Um, and so, you know, Google, because it has such a comfortable business, it is, and because ultimately their goal is just to get people to use the internet more because the more pe- because the internet and google are so are so intertwined all google the, google's only business goal for anything it does is just to make the internet more important for people because ultimately it's going it, ultimately that's going to benefit them and and because that goal is so open ended and so beneficial to everybody uh, so much, so many cool things have come out of Google that wouldn't come out of a, another company that had more immediate revenue goals that actually had to sell you something in order to make money. Um, you know, I'm going to say that as long as we could keep an eye on Google and kind of keep pressure on them to keep them from truly abusing their power, um, even if it's just bad PR. I think Google is afraid of uh, Google is afraid of losing its of losing its status as the good guy, and and uh, as long as we can keep it that way, so that Google never gets kind of a cavalier attitude about losing its status as the good guy. Um, I think that I I I think that it, it keeping its dominance could be a good thing. Uh, for for a long time. Um, that's my opinion. Well, actually, that's very interesting because um, if we, uh, as you say, anything Google does is just about to get more people to use the internet and to make the use of the internet more important. If you think about the Microsoft monopoly, where um, you know Microsoft to begin with, it was about a, a PC on every 
person's desk, a PC for everybody. That was the, the vision that everybody should have a computer, and we've basically succeeded mo- in that mostly. Um, for those you know fortunate enough to own a PC, there are plenty of them. Um, but what Microsoft did is that they they saw that that um, every PC on everyone's desk was actually a copy of Windows on everybody's desk, and so they were only interested in selling a computer if it came with this other product, rather than Microsoft trying to get more PCs in use anyway, which would also mean the natural elevation of their software if it was good. They were only interested in selling their particular software and not in selling in more computers, which would lead to the sale of more of their pieces of software. Right. Um, with Google, um, I think it is about that they've got the leeway here to make what appears to be moral judgments um, that avoid the sort of nasty sides of, of, of um, anti-competitive or competitive measures. Uh, like, for example, when they invent something like Speedy, um, sort of this new HTTP protocol to, to speed the internet up, they release it as an open standard. Um, and the, they do things like uh, they create their own uh, DNS server because it's not up to the, the, the you know regular DNS is just not up to the to uh, up to up to snuff, and they're trying to basically cajole all the other of these very lazy, uncompetitive manufacturers into doing things better. I mean, all the time that Microsoft had a monopoly at Internet Explorer, never did once they think, hmm, HTTP is a bit slow, maybe you should do something with this. Ooh, DNS is wasting a lot of time, maybe we should do something about this. They just don't have that sort of um, that inner force to them. Agreed. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, just agreed. There was really nothing to. So, uh, to I, and, I, I, and I, I think you know, maybe, maybe to kind of wrap this up and bring it to a conclusion. Um, you know, you mentioned something very interesting, Croc, there about Microsoft and you know Microsoft's rise. I think you can make a very good case for it being very beneficial to the computing world in general. Yes, but then. But then as soon as their rise kind of stopped, as soon as they'd kind of saturated, they, as soon as they'd achieved their goal of widespread personal computer use, then, then that's when the trouble kind of started. And then it was all about, okay, now, now how can we kind of protect our position? You know, how, how, can, how, can, we, how, how, how can we kind of nail things down? Um, that that's when the trouble started, and I, and I'm kind of wondering if there's if there is some kind of kind of turning point. Well, I think it I think it's pretty clear that Google's rise to to prominence, rise to dominance, up until today, there you you could definitely make a very strong case that it's had that it's had a net benefit, a huge net benefit to the to the world and the the, the internet using world. But yeah, is is or could could there be some kind of turning point, a similar one, you know, to Microsoft's kind of circa Windows ninety five turning point? I reckon that turning point. What's that going to be, and how and how can we guard against the negative fallout? That turning point is when the desktop operating system becomes irrelevant, and we do everything on the web. 
it's probably about 10 years away. But I reckon with HTML5 and the successor and getting browsers up to standard on every platform, we're going to move away from the desktop. The right. desktop will become workstations, and workstations will be used only for people who are very technical, who need to do very technical things, and the average user will just use an internet device, one that has nothing else other than the internet. Uh, that's probably within the 10-year time frame. Once we get to that situation where the internet is the way where, where most people access the no, uh, um, internet, then that could be that point. I'm now, that would be the day that Microsoft that becomes irrelevant. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but I'm very, I'm, I'm very skeptical about that vision because, um, you know, it's nice. You know, we're all living here nice and cozy in, in the West. But even I here, I mean, I live in one of the richest countries in the world. And in my town, there's no 3G connection. So It's true. And that's leave, also why Google are trying to bump that forward. I don't, think, I don't think you can have received the same kind of coverage um, that you can have with a normal computer. Power is everywhere. I mean, electricity is everywhere. You don't get that kind of coverage with the internet in the coming 10 years. It's impossible. If even a country like this, like the Netherlands, can't do it, then sure as sure as hell, the rest of the world can't. I mean... Yeah, but is that also because of the the, um, the monopoly nature of uh, telecoms, uh, te- the, 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 you know, the telecoms? No, no, that's we have a slightly different system. I mean, I, I don't have to, you know, the whole time to explain it, but it's slightly different here. The government is involved in there in in, in, in you know building the actual infrastructure and everything. So it's not as it's not as it's not as uh, um, um, in like like it is, for instance, in the United States, where everybody's building its own network and and you just have to get along. With it, where every company's building its own network, it is different here. People share and uh, government sends out. Uh, stuff to build towers and everything, so it's kind of different here. But what I'm trying to say is, we're a small country, we're ridiculously wealthy, and we can't produce uh, a 3G network or even uh, a, a decent fiber network that covers the entire country. Then how are poorer countries going to do that? I mean, how e- even uh, as close to home for me at least as Eastern Europe? I mean, something like uh, even countries like Spain or Italy, uh, the south of Italy, for instance. They're not nearly as wealthy as uh, certain parts of the United States or certain parts of, of the United Kingdom or even the entirety of the Netherlands. I mean, if we can't even do that, then how can you... Yeah, but, but it's coming up years. from... Um, what about Africa, where the, where the, um, the number of people on, on, on mobile devices far outnumbers, um, far outnumbers America, and that they've got a culture of, yeah. mo- of mo- mobile phones there, and that they're basically foregoing the landlines completely. They are, they're, they're not having that history of landlines and then having to make the transition to this mobile network. They have the mobile network already, and when that gets technologically improved, they're going to be well ahead of America. Um, and, and that's why I think Google are trying to jumpstart it by doing their own fiber test as well, because they, they want to move things on so that the, the internet can eventually become the only way we do computing. Certainly it's a hurdle, yes, but I'm saying that Google have the will to try and tackle that problem, whereas so many other companies don't have, have no interest at all in changing the status quo. Okay. <laughs> that sounds yeah. like a great way to wrap this up. Yeah. <laughs> I have no other things to add. <laughs> That's wonderful. Thank you. And it's dinner time over here, so. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much for joining us uh, today, David. Uh, getting up early to do so on your Sunday. I'm sure, you've got better things to do. Oh, it's my pleasure. Only better thing I have to do is sleep. So. <laughs> I'll sleep when I'm dead, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, uh, signing off. Um, email, you can email us at uh, crew at osnews.com. You can leave your comments uh, in the thread on the website osnews.com when this oh. podcast gets published. Oh, and I was going to say, uh, we're publishing in OG now. Doesn't it feel wonderful and strange that we're talking in OG now? 
oh, there are going to be ponies and rainbows and unicorns <laughs> jumping all over the website, and the world's going to be a better place, and everything's going to be pink and red, and there will be flowers everywhere, there will be no more hunger, no more a lack of water, there will be no more war, and, and the Middle East will huddle up and cuddle and whatever. Because we Stoneman will finally be happy. We started publishing in AUG. I mean, there we go. <laughs> oh, hey, but don't get any ideas. Stop asking. We are not going to transcribe the podcast. <laughs> oh, no, certainly. I mean, I explained that pretty well already why I'm not going to do that. I'd rather kill myself than do that. <laughs> I can assure you. <laughs> Uh, and with that, we say uh, thank you very much and goodbye. Hopefully next week. Yeah. Bye-bye. Thank Bye. you. Bye. Bye.